Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim continues his message entitled, The Unashamed Worker, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. It is interesting that as Paul tells Timothy how to be God's unashamed worker, that he spends the bulk of his time talking to him about avoiding arguments, squashing squabbles, and denying false doctrine. Rather, we want to be that worker who relies upon God for everything that we need. Here's Pastor Tim. Fourthly, the unashamed worker nullifies. He nullifies. Paul is going to spend more time on this one point than all of the other, well, I guess the other four, all five combined. He spends more time on this than any others. Why does he do that? Well, he's going to be talking about Nasty, fruitless quarreling. It's almost as if Paul knows what's going on at the First Baptist Church where Timothy goes. That there's bickering that's going on. There's arguing going on. There's an there's unresolved conflict that's going on. And Paul knows what you and I know as well. That the church that quarrels is not the church that works. It doesn't work by task, and it doesn't work by being either. So the unashamed worker is the one who tries to nullify those arguments. The unashamed worker is the one who is not distracted by those types of things. And specifically, there are two areas that he talks about. The first is at the end of verse number 14. When he says, remind them of these things. Remind them of what I've already taught you. Remind them of these doctrines. Be clear on that. And he says to charge them before the Lord. Make sure that they understand that they are in the presence of God and they represent Jesus everywhere they go. And charge them concerning what? Look at what he says. Not to strive about words to no profit. To strive about, to fuss about, to argue over. I like the translation, yours may say it. Um, I can't remember which translation it is that says wrangling over. Wrangling over words to no profit. He's talking about fighting over words. He's talking about bickering. He's talking about the things that really don't matter. It's a useless quarrel. It's not debating doctrine. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about defending your stance or defending your faith. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about church fusses. There's not in all the church splits that I'm aware of, very few of those have anything to do with doctrine. More often than not, they have something to do with preferences. And they have to do with people taking sides. The unashamed worker is a peacemaker. 
The unashamed worker is the one who doesn't choose one side or another side, but tries to bring those sides together that he might nullify what's called useless wranglings. Useless words. Words to no profit. Anybody can get involved in an argument, can't they? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot of smarts. To get involved in that, just look at some of the debates that we see, <laughs> even on the news when they bring in the experts, right? What's the result? What's the result? Is the result going to be one side's going to win over the other side, and then it's going it's to prosper the church because this side has won? No. He tells you what the result is. To the ruin of the hearers. To their ruin. The hearers are both of those people that are involved in this useless argument. But it's also everybody else that gets, to, that, that gets drawn into it or hears those things going on. It ruins them. I bet you, you know somebody who doesn't go to church anymore because of the way that church people deal with fellow church people. You might have even been that kind of person before. By the way, this word ruin is the word catastrophe. You hear anything in there? It's a catastrophe. It is a catastrophe to the church when we argue over those kinds of things. Well, that's one. That's one of these things that Paul's talking about that we are to nullify, that we are to throw water on. You know, it's the informal wrangling over useless words. The second part that he mentioned is not informal, it's more formal. Look at what he says. It, he picks up that same thought in verse number 16 when he says this. But shun profane and vain babblings. Shun them. Don't, <laughs> don't get in the middle and say, hey, everybody, y'all, y'all stop. Everybody be quiet for just a minute. I got the answer. <laughs> because no, you don't. You know, you, you just don't. I mean, you might, but you don't. You know what I'm saying? They're not ready to listen to that. You have to be a peacemaker, not a solver. A person who is coming into this doesn't have the ability to fix the heart the way that God does. And so he says to shun that. Stay away from that. Don't get drawn into those kinds of arguments. Don't get drawn into this, even this formal type of vain babblings. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking just simply about the church people who are fighting with one another. Now he's talking about the person who comes in to teach them things that are false. False teachers. The word profane that he uses is a word that means ungodly or worldly. 
So if I as the preacher or your Sunday school teacher or somebody over your small group, your home group, comes in and they begin to say, okay, this is, this is how we need to attack this. Let, let's, say, let's, let's use the example of verse number 14 for a moment. Let's just say that there's an argument that's taking place in the life of the church. People are beginning to take sides. And somebody comes in with this great bit of wisdom that they heard on Dr. Phil. You know, or they heard Steve Harvey say it. Now, listen, any, any, you know, they say any pig can find a pod, right? I mean, they, they, they can have truth. That's not who I'm looking for for truth. For the most part, they're going to share with me worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is godless wisdom. It doesn't take God into the account. And so we try to fix spiritual problems with unspiritual answers. That's what he's saying. Shun this stepping into this godless, worldly vein. What does that mean? It means empty. It means foolish. And I like that he uses simply the word babblings. The dictionary defines babblings as talking rapidly and continuously in a foolish and incomprehensible way. (laughs) Just doesn't make sense, does it? Babblings. Now again, let me remind you that he's talking about a formal setting. He's talking about a, a pastor who preaches, a teacher who teaches, a leader who's leading a facilitator who's facilitating a a, a discussion. And yet instead of turning to the Word of God, they turn to their own wisdom that will not provide real, genuine answers. So he says to shun them. All right? So we know that what, we know what happens if you find yourself involved in those arguments those, those vain, empty, useless, fruitless arguments that happen within the life of the church. It leads to the ruin of the hearers. What happens if you give yourself to false teaching? What if, what if you give yourself to a godliness that is ungodly, that is unbiblical, that is unscriptural? What happened? Well, he answers that one for us too, doesn't he? Look at verse number 16. They will increase to more ungodliness. (laughs) That's the only thing that ungodly teaching can lead to is more ungodliness, isn't it? It's never going to lead you back to the truth. It's always leading us away from the truth. And so Paul gives some examples that are here so that we understand what he means by the increase of godliness. Look at this terrible example that he uses in verse number 17. Their message, he's talking about the false teachers. He's talking about profane and vain babblings that come in a formal setting. Their message will spread like cancer. There are too many of us that are too familiar with cancer and how it works and the devastation that it takes on your body 
to miss what he has to say here. If we were to say, you have a chance, you have a choice. You can shun, you can stay away from cancer if you want to. We'd do it, wouldn't we? Absolutely we'd do it. But that's what this is spreading like. It is spreading like cancer through the church. You know as well as I know that you find those folks that we finally will say, man, he was just eat up with cancer. That happens in the life of a church when ungodliness and worldliness gets a hold. Spreads like cancer. Paul moves on not just from illustrating that for them, but really giving them some personal examples. Look, he he calls these people out by name, doesn't he? He says, their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. They are the kind who spread profane and vain babblings. They are the kind that follow after those who teach such things and then begin to spread it out to others as well. Notice what he says about them in verse number 18. These two men have strayed concerning the truth. They've strayed concerning the truth. The truth is this. It doesn't take you long to be able to sit under teaching that seems so logical. It seems, it seems so right. It fits the heart condition of the world just right. And so, and so it makes me kind of want to follow after that. But I can't follow ungodliness and worldliness and follow Christ too. I can't. It's always going to lead me away. So he says, what what has happened to them? They have strayed concerning the truth. Now, here's something that you need to know about uh, Hymenus and Philetus. I don't know that they're malicious. I, I don't know that they have come into the church and begun to teach godless, worldly truth. Doctrine, maybe is a better word. On purpose that they might disrupt or destroy the church. It didn't say that they did. Instead, it says that they strayed away from the truth. These are men who started right. These are men who who believe the way that Paul believes. These are men who believe the way Timothy believed. These are men who believe the way that we believe. And yet they got distracted. They didn't try to nullify bad teaching. They didn't try to nullify those arguments that happened within church. And so what happens? They finally just strayed away. What happens to a boat? In the middle of a lake, if you just leave it there, you don't anchor it, you don't, uh, you don't paddle, you just leave the boat out there. Did it stay in the middle of the lake? <laughs> no. 
leave it out there overnight. It's going to be on some shore someday, you know, by the next morning. Our natural tendency is to follow the line of belief. If my belief is not centered on the Word of God, if it is not anchored, then it's going to stray, and I'm going to stray right after it. They've strayed concerning the truth. Look at how far it led. See, see these people who believe the way that you and I would believe, we're going to look at the end of verse number 18 and say, well, man, I'd never teach that. I'd never, I'd never believe that. I can't believe somebody would come into a church and teach those kinds of things. But when straying has been led by one compromise after another compromise after another compromise, it always takes you further than you ever believed that you would go. Look what he says. This is what they're saying now. The saying leads you right back to their profane and vain babblings. This is what they're teaching. This is what they now believe. This is the empty, fruitless words that the resurrection is already past. And because of that, they overthrow the faith of some. He's kind of giving us a glimpse into chapter number 4 about where he's headed in this passage. He's given us a glimpse to what he talked to the Thessalonians about and what you're about to start studying in your Sunday school lessons. Resurrection's gone. Jesus has already come back. And if you're still here, sorry, you missed it. Well, the resurrection's already come, <clears throat> but, if, you're, um, but if, you're, if, you're, if your relatives have already died, nah, then sorry, they missed it too. It's teaching that's not sound. It's teaching that's not biblical. And what happens? They overthrow the faith of some. So, <clears throat> so look at what happens when we don't take time to nullify these things. It leads in verse number 14 to the ruin of the hearers. In verse number 16, they will increase to more ungodliness. And then in verse, eight, verse 18, they overthrow the faith of some people. You've got to take the nullifying part seriously if you want to be an unashamed worker. Unashamed workers do all those things. Let me give you one more. The unashamed worker relies. He relies. He is reliant on the Father. He knows not only in that occupying, he not only knows who he serves, he also knows in this case where his source of strength is, where his source of truth is. Timothy is the young pastor in Ephesus. And Paul is trying to teach him what it means to be a good pastor in a difficult church. And so what he's saying to him is this, Timothy, you need to remember where you get your truth from. You don't get it from the internet. You don't get it from Google. They're not, they're not going to help you. You don't get it from television. You don't get it from celebrities. You don't get it from those. You get it from God. You get it from God's Word. So verse number 19 starts off with the best word that you could find in your Bible to follow those last three verses. 
nevertheless. Nevertheless. So, so these things are going to come. I mean, what he's telling Timothy is these things are going to happen. Just like they happened with Hymenius and Philetus, they are going to happen with somebody else somewhere down the road in the midst of your ministry in your church. It's going to happen. But nevertheless, despite the fact that these things might happen, the solid foundation of God stands. That's why Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle will pass away from this word before the whole of heaven and earth pass away. He says, the word of the Lord stands forever. It endures forever. That's the solid foundation on which we stand. And then notice this, he says, having this seal. A seal marks a person for ownership. A seal marks a person for protection. This is the seal. This is what God's Word does for us. He gives two quotes. There are two specific areas in which we need to rely upon God. He says, having this seal, and then you'll notice that he puts these things in quotation marks. So they tell me that these are things that, uh, that, that they were familiar with, sayings that they were familiar with. First, he says, the Lord knows those who are His. So first, we rely upon God for salvation. For salvation. That we would belong to Him, that we would be a part of His family, just like we talked about this morning. He knows those who are His. And then His second quote, the second saying, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So in the first quote, we rely upon God for salvation. In this one, we're relying upon God for sanctification. To be sanctified simply means to be set apart. In this case, he says specifically, depart from iniquity. Separate yourself from that. Separate yourself from worldly, godless teaching. Separate yourself from vain babbling. Separate yourself from those things that you ought to nullify. And then set yourself apart for the exclusive use of God and for God alone. Listen, Jesus said it. You can't serve two masters. He used the illustration. He said you can't serve God and money. But you can't serve God in anything. You can't serve God in yourself. You can't serve God in your work. You can serve God through your work in the same way that you can serve God through your money. But you can't be mastered by both. The unashamed worker relies on the power and the word of God as he stands right there in his presence. Because we're going to stay in his presence, aren't we? To give an account. Some things burn up like they're wood, hay, and stubble. Some of those are refined into gold and silver and precious stones. Kind of work are you going to have? Will you be able to stand there unashamed? I want you to. Let's pray. Jesus, for every person in here who's called upon your name, who has received you and been given the right to become the children of God, 
Father, they are now your workers, your co-laborers. Father, we want our work to count. We want it to be what you've called us to do. We want it to be true and we want it to be faithful. We want it to be effective and we want it to be efficient. God, we need your blessing for that. We know that you will remain faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you want to come to me, I'll help you. If you want to come to the altar, I think it's a great time to be able to pray through those things that God's doing in your life and with your life. Sean? This year at Brit David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.